Chapter 3 Jane's Old Soul The morning buzzer sounded. White lights turned on. A sudden shift shook my bed while my hands held on. The entire dormitory hallway was rattled while our vessel rotated a single degree clockwise into the planet's core. We were tunneling into the ground, always descending, digging further below the surface of the earth. Our giant vessel held everyone who was still alive. There were hundreds of thousands of people in here, and every morning we'd tunnel deeper for the first five minutes of the day while everyone was safe in bed. It also woke everyone up, too. A quick scare if you're not used to it, but we'd all hang on while our ship burrowed deeper. Now if we dug too fast, we'd get too close to the core and begin to melt. But moving too slow and all that radiation up above might cause cancer for us all. Burrowing beneath the surface was the only safe place left for humans to survive. Once the vibration stopped, it meant I had five minutes before my 12-hour shift began. All my neighbors were up. I even heard someone's door open early as they marched out first toward the factories. Using the corner hole, I emptied my bowels before washing my hands and face in the sink. The mirror revealed a mess of long brown hair before I covered it with my orange hat. Grabbing the notebook under my bed, I stood by my door sensor until it opened on cue. A line of men and women wearing orange jumpsuits were walking left to the factories. Watching them pass by, my sense of freedom slipped away as I turned to see the endless stream of orange people coming up from the right. Standing on the edge of my room, there were plenty of open spaces to merge, but I couldn't stop thinking of the hundreds of notebooks stashed under my bed. There were at least 28 days before I might get chosen for another monthly meeting with the white man, and last night made it clear that they didn't care what I had to observe. Watching my fellow observers pass by, we all looked the same, and yet I was not the same as anyone else here. These people were going back to work, but last night I became a rebel. I was the only one who dared to leave an entire month blank. Without thinking, my feet stepped out of my room, but instead of following the line of orange observers to the factory, my feet turned right, against the sea of people. Marching away from the factories, I walked against the crowd when I observed my co-worker in orange speak without a sound. His eyes burst open, his mouth dropped, and his neck twisted behind his shoulders as he watched me willingly disobey our order. Only a madman would step out of line and skip work altogether. Even I knew it. And now I felt as if I could hear what he was thinking when his eyes whispered, He turned the other way? They were all in disbelief. Every last one of them. I could see it in their eyes, all thinking the same thing. But no one stepped out of line to stop me. Now a woman passed by and turned her head while she reached for my hand as I brushed against the grain. For years I followed the leader to the left, just like everyone else did before. But today was the day that I turned the other way. Soon came another woman who had the courage to look into my eyes. She pointed toward the factories with her finger low beside her hip. No one dared to speak a word. Red camera lights were watching from above, but this woman's finger was the loudest sign anyone else dared to make. Her eyes watched me pass by when she kicked the heels of the orange observer in front of her. Both of them stumbled, and surely the man had felt it too, 
but he didn't dare to turn and look. Instead, the entire line of workers continued walking ahead as if I were only a ghost dressed in orange. Silent eyes stared through me as I passed hundreds of my orange co-workers who all seemed to be thinking the same thing. He turned the other way? All of us looked the same to the white man, tan skin with orange gowns, so as long as I made it back to my room before the 12-hour shift ended, then I had hundreds of other observers to blame. I was going to be fine, or at least that's what the voice in my head kept telling me. And even if they caught me, all I had to say was that I was chasing after someone who turned the other way. Rows and rows of white doors carried on through the dormitories while the sea of orange observers passed by before I found myself alone in the empty hallway. After 15 minutes of silence, I began to observe new workers appearing, wearing different color smocks. People wearing yellow, teal, pink, and brown jumpsuits entered doors I had no business going in. These were employees I never noticed, working duties I didn't understand. My eyes stayed low, always under the brim of my hat while I made sure not to stop for anyone. The moment I left the dormitory level, I began to follow the numbers posted above the doors. All I knew was that I'd been heading lower for quite some time. Since I started up on level 56, I was now down to the 40s. My body kept walking until there were so few people that I began to get nervous whenever I saw someone at all. No windows here, just white walls, while the floors twisted and turned in a spiral around the levels of our vessel. It'd take the white man ages to find me down here, and it would take me even longer to get back to my room on the 56 if I wasn't careful. These hallways were peaceful without people, and quite unlike the loud manufacturing machines I observed in the factories. I continued down the same path until the digits above the doors had reached 100. Soon I passed by the 70s, then on to the 60s, and when my eyes caught sight of the 50s, I sprinted to the 40s. Rounding the corner, I found the 30s before I stopped. This was the most mysterious place aboard the whole vessel. It was the deepest I'd ever been. A white wall waited beside two doors at the very abrupt end. I was so far from the factories that all I could hear was perfect silence making me wonder if I'd become a criminal. And what would they do if they caught me all the way down here? Most employees want to go up, or at least that's what whispers say, because the cameras stop watching if you make it all the way. But this hallway was so empty, so mysterious without a sound, but then I heard a woman's voice singing when I had to turn around. Someone was singing in the door right beside me, inside door number 28. Curiosity twisted the handle before I pushed it open. There was no badge scanner here, no clock or security at all, and to my surprise a small hallway opened up into a warehouse holding a village of plants. Green shrubs sprouted through the mud-paved room. It was vast, overflowing with vegetables, and much bigger than I expected. Orange globes of light hung above the vegetation when I noticed a vocal woman wearing a green jumpsuit in the middle of the room. She was tending to the flowers before she noticed me. Hey, what are you doing down here? she asked. Backtracking away, I twisted the doorknob and turned to walk out the door. It was a long way back to my room when I heard the woman stomping her big red boots after me. It only took a moment before she tracked the mud from her boots into the hallway as she ran after me. 
Hey, where do you think you're going, mister? said the woman wearing green. I froze. She was a cute girl, with white skin, and those big red boots did have my attention. Uh, sorry, wrong door. Another psychopath in orange, are ya? she asked. See, I can explain. Well, you better explain, because frankly, I'm sick of it. I've seen all sorts of orange observers through my days, but none of y'all ever say a word, said the woman. I'd upset this woman. Tears hung from her lashes when she crossed her arms and tapped her toe in front of me. Well, I'm not allowed to talk to people in green, I pointed at her gown. See, you're wearing a green one, and I'm only allowed to talk to orange and blue, but only if I really need to. Well, nobody told me that, and you woke up all the plants, so I think they'd like an apology, said the woman. Uh, who? My children. You slammed the door a minute ago when everyone was sleeping, and now every last leaf is awake, she said. And who are you again? I followed her back inside door 28 beside all the flowers. I'm Jane, and you've already met my kids, she said. Plants were growing everywhere inside the dim warehouse. Some were hanging from the ceiling, while others were growing up the walls, and some looked so lush that I was certain she'd been tending to them for years alone. Silk fabric was stitched up to the ceiling between the green leaves, and the only space left for Jane was a pile of old silk stacked in the corner for a makeshift bed. You made all these? I pointed to the plants. How? And how do plants grow here? I wondered. Surviving on the edge of a giant drill that's tunneling toward the center of the planet seems tricky. The morning shift alone tosses me for a ride, and one time the jolt was so awful it launched me across the room because I wasn't holding on. And if she's this close to the very bottom, well, my goodness. Yeah, I'm really sorry about barging in, but how in the world? Thank you, Jane interrupted. She hugged me, and I couldn't even do anything while she squeezed me tight. Well, I'd never seen plants before, but these were so alive. I'd never observed anything like it. Nobody ever talks to us. It means the world that you stop to say hello, said Jane. Her arms wouldn't let go when she set her head on my chest. Again, I'm really sorry I'm not allowed to talk to you. See, observers have to look, not speak, because the cameras... Cameras schmammeras. Who cares what they see? Jane cut me off. She let go of me and reached into the mud to pack a handful of dirt between her palms. Chucking it at the camera above the door, the mud hit the lens, which was already covered with dried mud from before. And Jane was pretty. Maybe the most beautiful woman I'd ever seen. But I couldn't tell if she was 25 or 50. Her skin was healthy and more radiant than anyone I'd seen in the factories. She was glowing, and everything about her felt natural, as if her body was emitting a light the mechanical world never knew. So what do you write down in that notebook? asked Jane. I haven't seen an observer stop by in a while. Stuff, I said. Mostly about the factories and production. But how do you grow plants down here? I'm a gardener. My mom taught me everything she knew. All you need is a couple things, like light, love, and water, Jane paused. And how come you stopped by my room? Did they tell you to check on me? Even the plants seem paranoid now. Because we're fine down here, said Jane. It gets a little lonely, but singing helps pass the time, and Jane snatched the notebook out of my hands and ran down a row of vegetation. I hadn't a clue what happened in such a short amount of time, because all I kept thinking about was the trouble I'd be in once the cameras told the white man where I'd been. Wait a minute, how'd you get such a big room to live in? 
Mine's tiny. Well, plants like me. Plus, all my babies outgrew the last place, so we needed more space. Survival the fittest, I guess, said Jane, flipping through my notes. The pages turned under her eyes while I followed her down the rows, observing this new room with each step. It felt eclectic and soft and... Hey, don't read all that. It's really boring and poorly written. She stopped, and I was quite surprised she took my advice as she turned towards me. This is just a bunch of junk, isn't it? said Jane. No, not really. It's years of data, numbers, quotas, and observations made for the progress of the order's production. That way the order keeps the spindle turning and... So that's what the orange observers do, Jane cut me off. Write junk. Well, I wouldn't call it junk. See, I'd been doing it for a long time. I'm 33 now, been doing it since I was five, and they say I'll go observing until I'm at least 80 if I live that long. 80? Jane interrupted. Are you crazy? I shrugged when she read my notes out loud. Automation sector 937, zone 232, row 10,045, increased production 0.0023% from last month, while row a bazillion was down 0.067%? You're going to do this until you're 80? Why don't I just kill you now? asked Jane. Her face was making strange observations about me. Well, I'm sorry, but this is junk, said Jane. She leaned forward and handed me back my notebook while I studied her greenish eyes. She didn't want any trouble, not from what I could observe, but there was some trouble growing between us. Jane didn't understand my duty, and I didn't understand her life either, but at least I wasn't being mean about it. So what will you write down about my children? asked Jane. Numbers can't tell you what plants are feeling. I was following her over to another row of red and yellow leaves blooming down a branch. Large fans were spinning overhead, and each plant seemed to nod like they were rocking in a chair. I don't write much anymore, but shouldn't you be worrying about the clock? Don't you have targets to hit? Because if the spindle, do you always worry this much? And I don't need a clock because I know some secrets, and those secrets taught me a thing or two about other things, said Jane. Well, what kind of things? Secret things, said Jane. Her finger waved me closer before she peeled open her jacket. Peeking inside, just enough to see the rows of silk pouches stitched inside. Ever held the gem? Jane whispered. Because every stone has a secret to say. You ever heard one talk? It's real magic. A stone talking. Hmm. Interesting. She reached her hand inside a pouch. I was certain stones couldn't talk, and I was even tempted to write the anomaly in my notes because how could anyone believe that stones were alive? Had she lost her mind? Well, I've never heard a stone say a word. She reached in her coat and set the white and greenish stone into my hand. Ever tried listening to one? asked Jane. Well, not quite. I suppose I came across a stone somewhere. But how do they talk? Where's the mouth? Well, this one's called serpentine, said Jane. It's the serpent stone, and all you have to do is observe it. Then you'll hear what it has to say. See, once you get in tune with a gem, then you can hear everything it wants to share. I was starting to feel some odd doubts about this woman. They'd left her here for a reason, at the very bottom. And if you lose your mind once, chances are you'll never find it again. I handed her the stone and took my notes back. Hey, are you staying? asked Jane. She was smiling really big on purpose. I can't. Wait, what time is it? Oh, goodness, I think I have to get home. 
The time hadn't crossed my mind. There wasn't a clock in sight, and I was late. I'm sure of it. Don't go, said Jane. We just met. Oh, I'm sorry, but I have to. Really? Jane sighed. Well, I hope I see you again. She let go of my notebook when a gentle breeze passed between her flowers. All the vegetation was swaying towards me when a vine of ivy crept along Jane's shoulder. I'm sure the plants wouldn't mind if you stopped by again sometime, said Jane, holding on to her door, labeled 28. I think they like you, and so do I. For being a crazy person, Jane sure was a kind one. I looked back one last time and saw her waiting under the wooden doorframe. Following the numbers back up to the level 56, I held my badge against the scanner and entered my own room. The red dot began flashing. The camera was watching, and so I set my notebook under the bed with all the others. There was a whole world I'd never seen. Who else even knows what's out there? But at least I got to meet Jane.